Hey, good morning, and uh, welcome to River Glen, whether you're, you're here in, in Waukesha or uh, joining us in Pewaukee or online, great to have you uh, with us. How are you guys doing? You have a good 4th of July? Yeah, beautiful day uh, today. Glad to have you uh, here. Before we get started, I want to let you know next weekend, I want you to come back. We're going to launch a series. It's called Recalibrate. Recalibrate means to adjust something, to align something. And we're going to learn how, uh, one, of the, one of the primary tools that God uses to uh, recalibrate our hearts and minds so that we can live better lives. It's going to be a really good series, and uh, you don't want to miss it. It'll be a good series to bring a guest uh, with you. All right, today we're going to wrap up uh, At the Movies, a series where we've uh, looked at clips from uh, various movies. And today we're going to look at some clips from a movie that begins with these, with these words, Once Upon a Time. And uh, that tells you what. It's a story, and we love stories. We love great stories. That's why in America we, we spend almost $12 billion a year going to the movies, plus millions more for the movies that we watch on DVDs, Netflix, and, and on our uh, laptops. Movies are the storytellers in our culture. Movies get us thinking about questions about uh, life and good and evil and love and, and where life is, is going. And so we uh, use these movies in this series to raise these questions, and then we spotlight the Bible and what it has to say about all of this. Now, I don't know if you know it, but Jesus loved to tell stories. Jesus was a master storyteller. He didn't just go around telling people how to live. Uh, You know, he didn't just write lessons on a chalkboard. Jesus would tell stories to engage people's hearts and minds. For example, instead of just telling us to be kind to one another, Jesus told a story about a guy who gets beaten up. He gets assaulted and left for dead. A pastor walks by, a priest walks by, and uh, they're too busy or too scared. They don't want to get their hands dirty. But then an unlikely person, a Samaritan, surprises us. He stops, he shows compassion, and he bandages up the guy's wounds. Jesus used a story to make a point about the importance of kindness because he knew that stories communicate truth more powerfully than just words. Storytelling was kind of like showing a short film back in his day. So today we're going to watch some clips from a classic story. It's an old story, but it is a great story, and it begins with the words that every a great story begins with, once upon a time. Once upon a time in the hidden heart of France, a handsome young prince lived in a beautiful castle. (laughs) Although he had everything his heart desired, the prince was selfish and unkind. Master, it's time. He taxed the village to fill his castle with the most beautiful objects. Oui, maître. And his parties with the most beautiful people. Then one night, an unexpected intruder arrived at the castle, seeking shelter from the bitter storm. As a gift, she offered the prince a single rose. (laughs) Repulsed by her haggard appearance, the prince turned the woman away. But she warned him not to be deceived by appearances. For beauty is found within. 
When he dismissed her again, the old woman's outward appearance melted away. To reveal a beautiful enchantress. The prince begged for forgiveness, but it was too late. For she had seen that there was no love in his heart. As punishment, she transformed him into a hideous beast. And placed a powerful spell on the castle and all who lived there. As days bled into years, the prince and his servants were forgotten by the world. For the Enchantress had erased all memory of them from the minds of the people they loved. But the rose she had offered was truly an enchanted rose. If he could learn to love another and earn their love in return by the time the last petal fell, the spell would be broken. If not, he would be doomed to remain a beast for all time. That's the opening scene from Beauty and the Beast. How many of you have seen one of the Beauty and the Beast movies? Oh, yeah, uh, quite a few of you. Disney did an animated version in 1991, and then in 2017, they retold the story, and uh, we're showing those clips. If you didn't get a chance to see this movie, uh, the, the Pewaukee campus is going to be hosting Family Movie Night on Friday night. They're going to show this film in its entirety, and uh, you, can check it, you can check it out. It begins with this handsome young prince who seems happy and seems like he's got it all together. But you know what? Actually, he is miserable. He lives with a cold and shriveled heart. And right away, we begin to see a theme emerge that you can't judge someone by outward appearances. After this opening scene, we meet uh, one of the uh, main characters. Uh, her name is Belle, and she appears beautiful on the outside. But the townspeople think she's a little strange. She's a little odd. She likes to read books. Belle is not who she appears to be either. And then we also meet uh, Gaston, who is uh, handsome but arrogant and narcissistic. He loves himself so much he can't believe that Belle won't marry him right now. He only loves Belle for her physical beauty, and he's the real beast who misses her real beauty. So it's not just this prince. We can't judge by appearances. That uh, We can't judge by appearances. It's everyone. And that's true with real life, too, isn't it? It reminds me of a, of a, of a story in the Old Testament of the, of the Bible when God sent Samuel, the prophet, to anoint the new king in Israel. God sent him to the home of Jesse because Jesse had eight sons. God told Samuel that one of those eight sons will be the next king. And so Jesse lines up all the all the sons, all of his sons, and uh, Samuel starts with the oldest one, stands in front of the oldest one. His name is Eliab. He's the tallest. He's handsome. And everybody thinks he's going to be chosen as king. But God, God says, no, that's not the one. And they're shocked. And so Samuel uh, moves to the next one, maybe a, maybe a brainy son with a scholarship to Harvard. And everybody thinks it's him, but God says, no. Not him either. And they go right down the line through each of the sons. Not the muscular one, not the funny one, not the football player. God says, no, no, no. And then God explains in 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at 
the, the heart. And so they go through all of those sons, and Samuel finally says to Jesse, do you have any more sons? Well, not really, but there's David. He's the youngest and the smallest. He's the runt of the uh, litter. And so they grab David. They shove him out front. He's got messed up hair, scrawny legs. And God surprises everyone. And Samuel says, that's the one. I, God says, I want him because the Lord looks at the heart. And somehow uh, God looks past the beast in, in us. See, the truth is there's a beast in every, every one of us. Even in the best of us, there is a selfishness, an ugliness, a sin. Sin corrupts us and life scars us. And beneath our exterior, there's a beast in each of us. But here's something amazing. God, God looks past the beast and he sees the beauty in you. God loves you despite your sin and selfishness. God's created us in his own image, which means there's a beast in us, but there's also a beauty in us that he put there. And he stands before you just like Samuel stood before David, and God says, I choose you. That's what God did when he sent Jesus to save us from the beastliness of our sin, to restore a better, more beautiful version of ourselves. I don't deserve that kind of love, neither do you, but let's open our hearts to the amazing grace and unconditional love of Jesus who stands before you today, and he says, I choose you. You Now, uh, back to our story. Bell's father, Maurice, he gets lost in the woods, but uh, uh, thankfully his horse, Philippe, uh, uh, guides him, uh, and he narrowly escapes getting uh, devoured by a pack of, of wolves. But then he stumbles into the beast castle, and he discovers some very strange things, talking candlestick and teacups and, and a clock that talks. He knows they're all trapped in some kind of curse, and so he finally rushes out of there. But before he does, he stops to pick a rose for his daughter. And that's when the beast captures him and throws him into the dungeon in the castle. Where's Papa? Take me to him. For a rose. I received eternal damnation for one. I'm merely locking him away. Now, 
Do you still wish to take your father's place? Come into the light. Lose you too. Now go. Go. <coughs> All right, Papa, I'll leave. I need a minute alone with him. He's so cold hearted, you won't allow a daughter to kiss her father goodbye. Forever can spare a minute. It will not open again. I should have been with you. Now listen to me. It's all right. Now go. Live your life. And forget me. Forget you? Everything I am is because of you. I love you, Belle. Don't be afraid. I'm not afraid. And I will escape, I promise. What? You took his place. He's my father. He's a fool. And so are you. Bell. I love that scene because it is such a powerful depiction of sacrificial love. Now, some of the movie and in real life, like Gaston and the Beast, have not yet learned to love that way. But when you see this tender father running for his life, and he stops to get a rose for his daughter because he promised her one. And then Belle races through the forest, marches into this scary castle to find her father because of her deep love for him. She pushes him out of that prison cell and takes his punishment because true love sacrifices. Of course, the greatest example and standard of sacrificial love is Jesus. John chapter 15 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. When Jesus went to the cross, he took our place like Belle did for her father. He pushed us out of the prison cell, and he, and he took our punishment so that you and I could go free. That's what real love looks like. But that kind of love is an endangered species in our world today. People today think love is a feeling. They think love is based on feelings, uh, but feelings fluctuate. Feelings go up and down. That's why sometimes you find couples who've been married for years, but one day one of them says, that's it. I'm leaving because I don't feel the same way anymore. Or we think that love means you make me, you make me feel good. You make me happy. And uh, if you make me happy, that's love. But uh, if you don't make me feel good, you don't make me feel happy, then we must not be in love anymore. But true love doesn't stop when feelings stop. It doesn't go up when emotions go up. It doesn't go down when emotions go down. 
It doesn't ask, what am I getting out of this relationship? It asks, what am I giving to this relationship? When you constantly check to see if the other person is, is doing enough to make you happy, that is a conditional, strings-attached kind of love that is really a weak relationship. But when two people try to love each other with a Jesus kind of love, sacrificing for one another, serving one another, and putting your own needs second where each one tries to outdo the other in love, then you've got something real. You've got something strong. Listen to how the Bible describes uh, love. And uh, ask yourself, how much does this describe you? If I were to ask your spouse or your friends or your family, how much does this describe you, what would they say? It says, love is patient and kind. Love's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's how Jesus loves us. And that's how he calls us to love other people. And when we love with that kind of sacrificial love, it brings change. It brings change to a marriage. It brings change to a family. It brings change to a friendship. It brings change to an entire community of people. Speaking of change, Belle befriends these uh, castle servants who throw a, a special dinner for her. And they, they sing this song, you know, Be Our Guest, Be Our Guest. And then she wanders into the forbidden west wing of the castle. Take a look. What are you doing here? What did you do to it? Nothing. Do you realize what you could have done? You could have done this all. Get out of here. Go! Thank <laughs> you. 
Never underestimate the power of love to change someone. When uh, Belle gets attacked by these wolves, the beast rescues her, and he nearly dies himself. She uh, nurses him back to health, and this charming, wholesome friendship develops between the two of them. He begins to see Belle differently. She begins to realize that inside the beast is someone who loves books and is well-mannered and witty and even thoughtful. They begin to see each other in the best light, and they begin to truly care about each other. And we begin to see that love really has the power to bring change. Some of you right now are in a relationship with someone, and you have allowed a person's flaws to blind you to some amazing qualities. And maybe what you need is a change of perspective because something powerful happens when you begin to focus on the good qualities in the other person as opposed to their beastly qualities. One of the best ways to see the good in other people, to start to see things in other people that you maybe haven't seen before, is to speak words of life, words of blessing into the lives of other people. That's what Belle did. After the beast saved her life, instead of abandoning him and riding off, she saw the good in him, and she says to the beast, you have to help me. You have to stand up. And she helps him back to the castle and nurses him back to health. But her words, those words created a turning point in the movie. Her words showed kindness and gave hope and strength and courage for him to stand and not give up and to realize that there was still a noble purpose for his life. And the words that roll off our tongues in our friendships, in our marriages, in our families, even in our, in our, even in our church, have remarkable power. You know, words can build up people, words can tear down people, but there are no neutral words. Look at the scripture in Ephesians 4. Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You want to build somebody up? You want to bless somebody else? Tell your wife how much you love her and how much she means to you. Tell your husband that you're proud of him and you respect him. Tell your son that he's a young man of God and God's going to use him in amazing ways. Tell your daughter that she's a young woman of God with unlimited potential and next to her mom, she's the most beautiful girl in the world. Tell your friend what you appreciate about him or her. Words have power to help us see the best in others, and God uses those words to transform the lives of other people. But the most amazing transformation begins to take place next. The spell, if you remember, can only be broken if the beast truly loves and is loved in return. And then it begins to happen. There's something there that wasn't there before. Uh, they, they begin to fall in love. They have this uh, dance scene that takes place, and you don't have to be a genius uh, to know where this story is going. But just when Beast lets his heart attached to Belle, Belle has to leave him because her father, Maurice, is in trouble. And the Beast feels brokenhearted when, when Gaston rallies the townspeople. He stirs up the townspeople, and they uh, rush the castle uh, to destroy the beast. 
I'm Gaston. Bell sent me. Were you in love with her? Did you honestly think she'd want you? Return to the village, you will marry me, and that beast's head will hang on our wall. Never! <laughs> <laughs> What a vivid example of the power of love to change someone. See, his, his greatest strength came not from being a beast. It's when he saw Belle again. When he, when he saw Belle's love, it brought out a much greater strength. When he knows that Belle loves him, everything changes. And he begins to believe what Belle uh, believes. And he says that, that, that great line, I am not a beast. I think every one of us wonders, can we really change? Is it possible for people to really change? Can somebody who acts like a jerk learn to be kind? Can somebody who is filled with bitterness and resentment and holds grudges learn to live with joy and forgiveness? Can a liar become truthful? Can a lazy person become disciplined? Can someone who is addicted ever be free? Can someone who lives a life of sin turn around for good? Can can I overcome fears that have uh, paralyzed me all my life? Can I get past my past? Is change possible? And the answer is yes. And not just in fairy tales. We can change through the power of Christ's love. You ever tried to change something important about your life and you failed unsuccessfully? And maybe you just started to think that it's just not possible to change. You're just stuck with the way things are. Well, there's no magical Disney answer, but God can transform you into a whole new 
person. 2 Corinthians says that through Jesus, we become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Glenn Keane was an artist involved in the uh, uh, animated version of Beauty and the uh, Beast. And he said that while he was working on the drawings, he really identified, personally identified with the beast because he had a bad uh, temper until uh, Jesus transformed him. And as a result, he put this verse right here on his, on his writing table, and it remains there to this uh, day. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. I think that we need to stop trying to change ourselves, and we need to ask God to transform us and make us new by the powerful love of Jesus. Romans chapter 12 says, don't conform your behavior to the customs of this world. Let God transform you into a, into a new person by changing the way you think. You, you let God's power and love change you. And then second, you do your part by changing the way that you think about yourself. That's how God transforms our lives. Well, you remember the curse on the beast, right? If the last petal on the rose falls before he loves and receives love, then he's going to remain a beast forever, and the uh, castle servants are all going to remain uh, furniture forever. Well, Gaston gets off a couple more shots. an honor to serve with you. The honor was mine. When I watched that scene, I thought about how, you know, we all live under a curse. Ever since garden, the Garden of Eden, we have lived under the effects of sin in our world. This world is not the way that it's supposed to be, the way that God intended it to be. Romans chapter 8 says that we're all waiting for God to bring freedom from this curse. It says, for we know that up to the present time, all creation groans with pain, 
You ever find yourself groaning over the pain and the sin in, in the world, war, disease, death, hatred, environmental disasters, and uh, poverty. This is not the way that it was meant to be in God's castle. We're under a curse, waiting and groaning for the day when God will finally complete the work of Jesus Christ, and he will make all things new. And it's the resurrection power of Jesus that, that reverses the curse. It put in motion a reversal that means that he's, able to ch- he's not just able to change you and me uh, personally, but God's making a new heaven and a new earth. And one day it'll be filled with every uh, person who, who trusts in, in him uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and I think that's why we love the, the ending of uh, Beauty and the Beast, because in a fairy tale way, it taps into our hope that the curse can be reversed and all things can be made new by the power of love. Come back. Please don't leave me. I love you. That is a uh, happy ending for sure, isn't it? And uh, don't you love happy endings? And God uh, promises a happy ending, a happy ending for every person who, who puts their trust in the love of Jesus because you have his love now and uh, you also have the promise of, of heaven for all eternity. And that will be a time of unbelievably joyful reunions for everyone who trusts in the love of uh, Jesus. And and it'll be far greater transformation than just a, a castle. The scripture says that God will, will be with us in a new heaven and a new earth. And there's going to be no more, no more pain, uh, no more groaning, no more crying, no more death. He's going to wipe away every uh, tear. No more waiting for this life to transform into a new wonderful reality. All who receive the love of Jesus will enjoy each other and will enjoy the one uh, who makes all things new. I wonder, as you reflect on this story, as, as you reflect back on this uh, movie, and you think about your life, I, I wonder, where do you fit in this story? I really believe that today could be a life change moment, a God moment, if we open our heart, if we open our mind 
to the amazing love of, of Jesus. Maybe some of you here, maybe you need to open your heart to the incredible love of Jesus for the first time. Maybe some of us here, maybe we, maybe we need to open our heart wider to the amazing love of uh, Jesus. In a, in a few weeks, we're going to have a, a, a baptism uh, weekend. It's called the uh, Baptism Bash on Saturday, August 3rd, here in Waukesha. Baptism Sunday over in Pewaukee on August 4th. Baptism is a great way to open your heart to the love of Jesus. You know, in baptism, you really picture with your life what Jesus did with his life. Here's Jesus on the cross. He gets buried in the tomb, and then he raises up to a new life. Here, here's your life, and you go under the water in baptism. You're buried in baptism, and then you come up out of the water to live a new life. The curse is reversed, and you say, I want to follow uh, Jesus. If you want to uh, get baptized or if you want to find out more about it, just fill out that Connect card or the welcome card. It's in the seat back in front of you. You can drop that off at the Connect wall after the service. Maybe you've got some questions or maybe you just need some encouragement or prayer today. Stop at the, stop at the Connect wall afterward and uh, we'd love to help you. The love of Jesus, the love of Jesus makes all things new. And that means my story and I hope your story will end with the words that we want every story to end with. They lived happily ever after. I'm going to pray for us, and uh, then we're going to celebrate God's love uh, with a song uh, together. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for seeing the beauty in us uh, despite our sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to reverse the curse and to change our lives through his love. Thank you for his love and the way it changes everything in our lives and, and in our world. And thank you for promising us the gift of heaven where you will make all things new. God, help us to open our hearts and minds to receive the amazing love of Jesus and then to share it with others. And we pray this in his name. Amen.